and welcome back to What is a Lutheran? Episode 4, Stand or Fall. Hi, and welcome back. Last week we took a detour from our plan after realizing that we had to talk about law and gospel, or law and promise, before we got into justification by faith. Talking about law and gospel, we learned that all of the Bible is divided into two groups. The law, which tells you how to live, and also, because we are very imperfect, also convicts us of our sin. The second group is the gospel, or the promises, which announce to us that on account of Christ, we have received forgiveness of sins, life, and hope as a free gift. The law is the part of the Bible, both Old and New Testament, that tells us how much we have failed to live up to God's standards. The gospel, or promise, is that part of the Bible, both Old and New, that says on account of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, all things that we have failed to do are counted as forgiven. To sum this all up, Philip Melanchthon writes in the Apology to the Augsburg Confession, Therefore, because people cannot by their own powers live according to the law of God, and because all are under sin and guilty of eternal wrath and death, we cannot be set free from sin and be justified through the law. Instead, what has been given to us is the promise of forgiveness of sins and justification on account of Christ. Luther, who is always far more succinct, puts it this way, The law says do this, and it is never done. Grace says, believe this, and everything is already done. And that gets us to where we left off last week. The question now is, how do we receive the gifts, forgiveness, eternal life, hope, that we have been promised? Put another way, God offers us free gift of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. But how do we receive that gift? The answer is by faith. Yes, that means we have finally arrived to the Justification by Faith episode. Embarrassingly enough, while I have talked about justification before, episode 2c, I'm not sure I ever really defined it. The doctrine of justification is the Christian belief on how our relationship with God is made right and how we receive forgiveness of sins. Lutherans say that we are justified by faith. That is, our relationship with God is made right by faith and not by what we do. Luther would say that justification is the article upon which the church stands or falls, because either we receive God's promises freely on account of faith, or else we do not receive them at all. Finally, before we get started, there's a small detail that we need to go over. Actually, I don't think it needs to be here but it doesn't fit anywhere nicely, so I thought I'd just get it out of the way. If you go to Article 4 of the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, the article on justification, you will find that whole pages are devoted to citing the Bible and citing other Christian theologians, usually theologians from the early church. This is because the Reformers didn't want people to think that they were just making stuff up. Justification by faith is not an idea only Luther came up with. Both scripture and the early church attest to this belief. Luther just raised the issue again. So in this episode, we're going to deal with one question and make sure that we are clear on two different but related areas. First, our question. What is justifying faith? This may seem like a silly place to start, but it's actually pretty important. 
Basically, what Luther, Melanchthon, and the other reformers wanted everyone to understand is that faith is not just mere knowledge of history. It's not enough to just know the story, to know that Christ died on the cross, to know all the Sunday school answers. In fact, while that knowledge may be helpful, it does absolutely nothing to save us. This is pretty devastating if you are a person like me who really likes knowledge and learning. We are, frankly, not saved by what we know. Many a grandparent tells me how they had to memorize a lot when they were going through Sunday school and catechism, and then wonders to me why their grandchildren don't have to do that anymore. Well, the reason is simple. Knowing the facts is not actually what saves. Faith is what saves. A person could get 100% on a Bible exam in college and not be saved by that knowledge. P.S. This is not to say that memorizing and knowledge are useless. This is a podcast, after all, about knowledge and learning. I just want to be clear. You won't receive the promises of Christ by passing the test. So what is faith, then? Faith, to quote Melanchthon, is to assent or embrace the promises of God. In another place, Melanchthon writes, Faith is that worship which receives the benefits that God offers. Put simply, faith is trusting in, not just knowing about, the promises that God is talking about. This gets us into another side issue that comes from this point. Melanchthon finishes that quote I just read by saying, The righteousness of the law is that worship which offers God our own merits. God wants to be honored by faith so that we receive from him those things that he promises and offers. What Melanchthon is trying to say is this, that justification by faith is about receiving from God instead of offering to God. Human beings naturally want to take what we are and offer it to God, saying, Look, God, I did this wonderful thing for you. However, God, being the strange deity that God is, always wants to reverse the flow and say to us, Look at what I offer you. Getting back on track, justifying faith always has three parts. First, the promise itself, that through Christ we receive forgiveness. Second, the promise is free. Third, that it is on account of Christ and his death on the cross that we receive the forgiveness of sins. Without all three parts, it is not true gospel or justifying faith. Without the promise, there is nothing really to have faith in. Without the free part, then it's no longer by faith, but by doing works of the law. Finally, while the Christ part may seem obvious, you have probably all heard a sermon by someone that manages to go on for 10 minutes talking about grace without ever once mentioning Jesus or the cross. He is, after all, fairly important to this whole thing. Final warning before we move on from this question of justifying faith. Don't turn faith into a work. You are probably looking at me like I'm crazy, but this is a pretty easy mistake to make. Melanchthon writes, For faith does not justify or save because it is a worthy work in and of itself, but only because it receives the promised mercy. Faith is not the one thing that you can do that makes God loves you. There is nothing in your faith that makes you holier before God. You receive forgiveness through faith because faith receives God's promises. It is, in the end, all about God and not about you. So moving on, we know that we have to deal with two large issues of justification. 
The first may seem simple, but here we have to state it again. It is faith in Christ that justifies, not a kind of general faith. Lots of people have faith in a lot of things. I had faith, a trusting despite all evidence, that the Cubs would one day win the World Series. This kind of faith is not that which justifies. This is important because as Christians, we really do have to say it is because of Christ, not some general loving force, that we receive justification. It is not just a vague higher power or some cosmic love force that gives us forgiveness of sins and eternal life, but Jesus Christ. Also, faith in Christ is not just some foundational principle. It is not like faith in Christ builds us a very good foundation, and then we build the rest of our house of salvation with our works. No, faith in Christ is everything, the foundation and the whole house. This probably leaves you with a nagging question. What about all the people who don't have an explicit faith in Christ? Your granddaughter who just believes in a higher power, or your son's new girlfriend who is explicitly something else? Well, first, that question is well above all our pay grades. It is, in the end, only God who knows everyone's fate. However, I can tell you many noble Christian thinkers have taken a very broad view of who receives forgiveness and life. Some so broad that they say that everyone receives forgiveness and life. The trick is that even those thinkers who believe that, they believe it because of Christ. They believe that it is because of Christ that all may receive salvation. Forgiveness and life always come on account of Jesus Christ. The second broad area is, what about works? After all, Christianity isn't just about sitting on our butts and not doing anything. Matthew 19, verse 17 does say, If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. There is clearly an element of action that fits into this faith of ours. If we do not receive forgiveness of sins by doing good works, then where does all those works fit in? One of the earliest charges against Luther was that he was saying we didn't need to do anything good at all that we could just believe in Christ and still go about unchanged in our lives, still be just as greedy and hateful and selfish as we were before. And, in fact, you have probably met a Christian like this who goes around talking about how they are saved, but that salvation doesn't seem to impact their behavior in the slightest. Luther and the Reformers were emphatic, though, that this is not what they were saying. For them, the problem was what comes first and why are you doing what you're doing? Luther says that through justification by faith, we receive the Holy Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit, we begin to do the works of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and all that. For Luther and the Reformers, it was kind of like the order of operations in math. There are, in a math problem, certain parts that come first, and then when you, you get to the other parts. In a similar way, justification comes first, and then, by the power of the Spirit working in you, you can start doing all those works that Jesus and Paul talk about. Actually, more important than just doing. If you remember last week, this is one of the things that Luther talked about with the law. Simply doing was not enough. In some sense, you can do the basics of the Ten Commandments. Don't murder, don't steal, don't covet. 
But if you are so focused on just following orders from on high, you can't actually love God, which is the real reason for all of this. However, if you start with justification by faith, you can follow the proper order. Justification by faith, as opposed to justification by works, allows you to look at God not as taskmaster, but as loving Father. After that, the Spirit does its work in you and leads to God's works being done through you. This gets to a basic question Christians get all the time. Can an atheist be a moral person? Using this way of thinking, we can finally have an answer that is better than just a silly yes or no. From the Lutheran perspective, the answer is that, of course, you can do the works of the law. You can volunteer, be a good citizen, a functioning member of your community, mow your grass, and all that. But simply doing is not enough, nor even the real point. The real point is to love God, and that can only be done by faith. Luther will note elsewhere that human beings are always curved inward on oneself. We are kind of like someone with a curved spine. We can't help but look, focus on, and be totally consumed by anyone but ourselves. This is especially true if you are trying to earn your justification by works. You can do all the volunteer hours in the world, but you are still curved in on yourself, still doing this because of you, not your neighbor. This always leads to the worst kind of hypocrisy we see in church all the time, where people try and justify themselves based on what they have done. Luther says justification by faith straightens out our spines. Once we receive God's grace as a free gift on account of Christ, we are finally freed to stop always being turned in on ourselves. Then we can honestly look at and love our neighbor. So what do I want you to get out of all this? Well, first, I want you to hear that this is a free gift. We do not earn our salvation. This idea runs against almost everything we experience in our culture because so much of our lives are about what we have earned, from army medals to good credit scores. But your relationship with God is not like your credit score. God's love for you is never earned. Second, the reformers were always clear this is supposed to ease your conscience, not burden it. If someone is preaching something to you that leaves you burdened, not feeling grace-filled, then it is probably law and works. We need to be careful of this because even in Lutheranism, long periods of the church have been about hell and works and a judgmental God. The amount of people who say to me today that they really like preaching so much more now because it doesn't sound so scary always leaves me wondering what exactly people were preaching before. The truth is that often we revert to a message that is about condemnation and terror. Works and judgment do have a place, as we talked about last week, but they are never the focus of the story. When Luther was first trying to explain justification by faith, he preached a sermon that said there were three types of messages we hear. The first, and most useless, is a message that says we are saved by following the ceremonies, by what we wear or what we eat. This may seem silly, but think on the last time you tried to give something up for Lent. Luther's point is that do or don't do your Lenten discipline, but that it doesn't save you either way. The second type is closer to the truth and emphasizes works of the heart, humility, self-control, and all that. But because it is still works, it therefore leaves us despairing. 
the final message, the true good news, is that God's grace is free on account of Christ and received by faith. Everything else follows from there. So I think we will end there today. Next week we are going to get into something called the theology of the cross. The theology of the cross is not about what happened on the cross, but about how Lutherans look at the world because of the cross. It can be confusing, but it is also one of the greatest Lutheran insights. I hope you'll join me next time for What is a Lutheran?